This morning, we're going to start a series just titled His Presence. And as we begin this series, I, I just want to encourage you that, uh, well, the, the presence of God is an awesome thing. To be in the presence of the Almighty, the one who is love, that holy God. I want to tell you, there is nothing like it in this world. Nothing can compare that with being in the presence of God. You know, the Bible tells us in Psalm 1611, in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You know, in a sense, maybe to some degree, he's talking about heaven. And certainly in heaven, we will absolutely be in the presence of the Lord forevermore. And there is fullness of joy and at His right hand pleasures forevermore. But we need to realize that when we are in the presence of the Lord here in this earth, we get to experience just a little taste of heaven in the here and now. Amen. By the way, the Bible tells us in Ephesians 2, 6 that we are seated together in Christ Jesus in the heavenly places. And I, I just know that this is for us, not just in the sweet by and by, but even in the here and now, we can experience the presence of God in a powerful way. In His presence, also often we're made whole. In His presence, People are set free. People are healed. God changes hearts. He changes lives. People are refreshed and strengthened in the presence of the Lord. We want His presence. In Psalms 139, the psalmist makes it clear that the presence of God is everywhere. You can go to the lowest place, the highest place, and he says you're already there. That The presence of God, He is omnipresent. He's everywhere. And yet, we need to realize that a lot, of time, a lot of the time, people are so unaware of the presence of God. They have no idea that they're in His midst or He is in our midst. And you know, Jesus said, when we gather together in His name, He said, there am I in your midst. And here's the amazing thing is that people even come to church and don't realize that the presence of God is in this place. If we did, we would come with awe because it is an awesome thing to be in the presence of God. If we really acknowledge that He is here, His presence is here, well, that's powerful. A lot of people, I'll tell you, they go to church and, and they never really enter in to the presence of God because they are so unaware. You know, Jacob had a dream and the Lord gave him a vision of the angels of God ascending and descending from heaven. And he wakes up and he says, surely the Lord is in this place and I knew it not. He became aware, but he didn't realize. And I, I just want you to know there are a lot of people that don't realize that the Lord is in this place. We need to become much more aware of it. As people come to church, and, and I'm telling you, the Lord is here. He really is here. But people come to church, and there are some people, and it's this way in every service, there are some people who encounter the Lord in a life-changing way, and there are other people who come, and they say, ho-hum, and they go on their way, and they say, you know, I think I'll just stay home next week. 
What if the presence of God really is in this place? I'm just telling you, it is, and it's life-changing. It is an awesome thing to be in the presence of the Lord. But we have to choose to enter into His presence. We have to want to be in His presence. How do we come into His presence? Psalm 95 verses 1 and 2 says, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to Him with songs. See, it is lifting our voices. It is singing. It is praising Him and giving thanks to Him. It is a joyful celebration. That is how we come into the presence of the Lord. We come intentionally into His presence. And the Scripture tells us how. Psalm 100, beginning in verse 1, he says, Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. How do you do it? Well, we're supposed to come with a joyful sound. We're supposed to come serving the Lord with gladness. And we come before His presence with singing. That's the way you come into the presence of the Lord. See, We serve the Lord with gladness. We don't serve the Lord with a long face. No, we're happy to be serving the Lord. I I think that's kind of what gladness means, right? I mean, we're happy about it. We like it. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go unto the house of the Lord. People that come and they're just, you know, ho-hum, I don't care about being here. I don't know if you're going to get in the presence of God that way. No, we ought to come Serving the Lord with gladness, happy, rejoicing, celebrating our God. It's not a drudgery to come and to worship the Lord. No, it's wonderful to be able to come into the presence of God. I know we we all go through difficult times, and I understand that. But you know what? When it's time to go to worship, we need to focus on the Lord. We need to get our minds off of our problems and we need to instead magnify the Lord. Now, when you, when you magnify the Lord, that doesn't mean you make Him bigger. You can't make God any bigger than He is. Did you know when you look through a a microscope and you look at a small cell, you're not actually making it any bigger. And you look at it, you look through a telescope at a, a star that is many, many light years away, you're not making it bigger. It's still the same size. We're not making God bigger when we say we magnify the Lord, but He appears bigger. He seems bigger. You see, we need to magnify the Lord because when we do that, all our problems get small. In the view of a mighty God who can do anything, all things are possible with God, then our problems, they're not so big. No matter how heavy, it doesn't matter in the view of an awesome, almighty, loving God. So we focus on the Lord, and you see, we can come before Him with singing. Come before His presence with singing. Verse 2. Come before His presence with singing. Anybody see that besides me? I just believe the Word of God is true. And I believe it tells us how we're supposed to come into the presence of God. Come before His presence with singing. 
Worship is not a spectator sport. I don't know how this came to be in this last generation. It didn't used to be this way. No, used to. People came to church and everybody would sing. But now it has become a spectator sport like you're at a concert. In fact, they have worship concerts where they got some celebrity worship leader and people will go just to hear and watch that worship leader because it's about them. And you know how I know that? Because they'll whip their phone out and they'll stand there and video that worship leader. It's about Jesus. It's not about a person. And we don't come to watch. We come to worship. Our eyes need to be on Jesus. Listen, I thank God for for talented worship leaders. I'm glad that we have such a great worship team. But it's not about them. They're singing about Him. And you see, this is for all of us to be participants, to be worshipers, not watchers. To come into His presence with singing. This is the way the Scripture tells us to do it. I know some struggle because, you know, they, they don't want to hear themselves sing, you know. Their, their loved ones have told them, please don't. But when you come into the presence of God, you sing. Now, if you sound really bad, Listen, you don't have to sing so loud we hear you on the front row. Please don't, right? But sing. You sing. You sing to Him. By the way, this is one reason we kind of like it loud, is to cover you up. So you don't have to hear yourself sing. But sing. Come before His presence with singing. Some of you, I know you're not comfortable doing it because you ain't doing it. They say, Pastor, you watching me? Well, listen, I can't help it. You know, I walk by you, and you're standing there like. <laughs> but it ain't about what I think. That's right. There's somebody else that sees that you won't sing. Yes. Sing, come before His presence with singing. Why does God like that? Doesn't He know what I sound like? I don't know, but He likes it. And he says, come before his presence with singing. This is how it's supposed to be. Now, another reason people don't sing nowadays, I think a lot of the time is they say, well, I don't like that song or, you know, I don't know the words. Well, in the first place, let me just say this. The words are right up there. And that screen is pretty easy to read. I mean, I've heard people say, I don't even have to wear my glasses to see the screen anymore. It's like, duh. That's a good thing. But here, here's what I want to say to you about that. You see, we, we struggle a lot of the time because we say, well, I, I don't know the words, and, and uh, I'm going to say this again. See, years ago, pretty much everybody knew the words or they would learn them pretty quick. But let me tell you one of the things that was really different, and I'm about to mess with some of you. Don't get mad at me. Don't hate on me because I love you. I love you enough to tell you the truth in love. And you see, 35, 40 years ago, a lot of the time, I mean, we went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and a bunch of other times when we were looking, we were singing those songs all the time and we knew the words. Now, there's so many people who just go to church once or twice a month and they don't know the words. 
But more than that, I'm going to go here. Here we go. Some of you, you see, you need to trade in your country music for some worship music. See, you know the words to those songs. How about you learn the words to these songs so you can worship Him and come before His presence with singing? How much better? I don't know why people want to know those songs. I know why we want to know these songs. Come before His presence with singing. Not just when you feel like it. No, we do it because He is always worthy. Know that the Lord, He is God. See, He is always worthy. Yahweh. That's what capital L-O-R-D is. It's Yahweh. He is God. It is He who made us, not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. See, He really is our God. And He is taking care of us like we are the sheep of His pasture. Know this. He is God, not us. He is the one who blesses us. He is the one who takes care of us. And He is worthy of our thanksgiving and our praise. Verse 4, enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him and bless His name. We come into His presence with thanksgiving and praise. See, We come saying, thank you, Lord, for blessing me. Thank you, Lord, for watching over my family. Thank you, Lord, for the freedoms that we have. Thank you, Lord, for health. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness that I experience every single day of my life. We all have things to be thankful for, and we need to come and express that thanksgiving to God. Why? Verse 5, for the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endures to all generations. All generations. That includes this one. 2 Timothy chapter 3 tells us that in the last days, it's going to be a terrible time. And it tells us about the people of that time. And one of the things that it says is that they will be ungrateful. I believe we're living in that generation. We have more than any generation ever before us, and yet it seems like people find a way to complain. I mean, you can always find something to complain about. You can always focus on that one thing. I mean, everything else might be going right, but you're upset about this. And you know what? See, we can focus on that, and we end up being ungrateful instead of coming and entering in to His gates with thanksgiving. This generation, I want to tell you, it is, it is not normal to give thanks and to have a grateful heart. No, it's normal to complain. And it will set you apart. And it will glorify God in your life if you are a grateful person that gives God thanks. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I always think of this verse when people want to know the will of God. Oh no, they're, they're praying about some decision they have to make. You know what? Here's something you know for sure is the will of God. In everything, 
you give thanks. This is the will of God for you. In everything, you give thanks. See, this ought to be lifestyle for us. That no matter what the situation, in everything, we give thanks. Research shows that those who offer gratitude are less envious and resentful. They sleep longer, they exercise more, and they have lower blood pressure. Sounds like I need to give thanks more. One psychologist said, you can't be depressed and grateful at the same time. It makes a person physically, mentally, in every way healthier. But they say there's a catch. You got to do it more than once a year. We're coming up on the once a year, right? You got to do it more than once a year. They say if you don't do it regularly, you don't get the benefits. It's like going to the gym. If you just go to the gym once a year, it's not going to do you any good at all. And just giving thanks once a year doesn't mean much and you won't get any of the benefits. But we don't do it for the benefits. We do it because He deserves it, because He is worthy. I owed a debt I could not pay. He paid a debt He didn't know. I owe Him everything. Listen, if He never does another thing for me, thanks be to God for His unspeakable gift. How could we ever not be thankful? No matter what the situation, no matter what's going on, we should always be ready to give God thanks. Day after day, He blesses us. The psalmist says He daily loads us with benefits. You know, I think it's absolutely wonderful that in our nation they set aside a day to be thankful. I just think that's really awesome. And in, in spite of the fact that people are trying to make it not a religious thing, we know that it absolutely is. I mean, thankful to who? Thankful to God. And I'm, I am thankful that we have this time to just focus on all of the blessings of the Lord and to be thankful. But I can't help but think that maybe we as the people of God, as the church of the living God, ought to just have a day every week where we decide, you know what, I'm going to set aside a time to go and to give thanks and praise to God. It's quiet right now. I know, I know I'm going against the religious culture of the day. I just think it's not too much to say, you know what, every day, I'm gonna, every, every week, I'm going to have a day that I go and give thanks to God. Amen. See, yes, you got to live this out in your life every day in everything you give thanks. Oh, but to come into the presence of the Lord with thanksgiving and praise, to come before His presence with singing. How wonderful. I know it's not always easy. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Therefore by Him, by Jesus, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. Now, I want you to understand that, see, sometimes people talk about this verse as though the sacrifice is something we don't want to give, we don't want to do it, but we'll do it anyway. In the Old Testament, if somebody had that kind of attitude about giving their sacrifice, the Lord would have rejected it. The sacrifice 
means that we are offering up, we are offering it up to God. And though you may be going through a difficult time, you don't offer it up in drudgery. You offer it up as a sacrifice, a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of your lips, giving thanks to His name. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's one of the sacrifices that we bring to God. It's the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. I know there's difficult times, there's hardship, there's tragedy. We we all go through tests and trials, things that would steal away our joy, make it difficult to give thanks. But what do we do? What does the Bible tell us to do when we are upset over something and we're anxious? The Bible tells us in Philippians 4, 6 to pray in everything by prayer, With thanksgiving, prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. This is what we do. You're going through a terrible time right now. You pray with thanksgiving and the peace of God will come and keep your heart and your mind. Peace that passes understanding. You see, that's the way it's supposed to be. That even in those times, we're still giving Him thanks. We're still praising Him. We're still coming into His presence with singing. You know, I guess we shouldn't be surprised in this generation, but a lot of people come to church nowadays just for what they can get out of it. And I, want, I don't want you to misunderstand me. I mean, I, I believe you, when you come to church, you ought to get something from the Lord. But it's, that shouldn't be our motivation for coming. Our motivation for coming is to give something, to give Him praise, to worship Him, to give Him our lives. But that ought to be the real motivation that we come, not just because of what we can get, but because we want to give. And you know, in those difficult times in our life when it's really hard, many of the greatest blessings, you see, the things that are actually the most precious to us, they just become clearer. They just become more real to us. I mean, when you're going through those dark times, the valley of the shadow of death, and you realize that the Lord is with me, I'm not going to be afraid. See, it's it's during those most difficult times, and you realize that God is the one who comforts me. See, even in those kinds of times, we can always praise the Lord. We can still give Him thanks because we know that He's faithful and that He's there for us. We're going to go to the story of the ten lepers that Jesus healed. It's Luke chapter 17, and we're going to begin with verse 11. And I want to just read through the story through verse 19, and then we'll come back to it. But it says, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him, they stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? 
Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go, your faith has made you well. Here's a man who'd been cleansed of his leprosy and made whole. He had a reason to give thanks. He had a reason to glorify God. He had a reason to be excited, do we? See, many of us, we've received healings or we've seen God do work in our marriage. God get our kid turned around the right way. Maybe you've gotten delivered from some addiction or bondage, but you know, you got saved. Amen. I mean, God has done something in us and, and we have something to be thankful for. Now, verse 12, it tells us about these men. It says that there were 10 that had leprosy. Here's the thing about leprosy during that time. It didn't matter who you were, what your background was. You could be rich or poor. You could be educated or uneducated. You you know, you could be uh, an intellectual or not. None of that mattered. If if you got leprosy, it it was a, a, a common denominator among those people because uh, their life was over the way that they knew it. You see, the Bible tells us that they stood at a distance. They were outcasts from society. They couldn't be around other people anymore, not even their own families. That To have leprosy was just to lose everything. It was a death sentence, a slow death, but a death sentence. They watched their bodies just decay away while they're still living. They couldn't work. They were forced to be beggars. They couldn't even be with their family. You need to realize, you see, these, these people had kissed their wife for the last time. They weren't, they weren't ever going to be able to hug their kids again. This was the curse of leprosy. And I want you to understand that because I want you to see what happened to these men. And by the way, they, they couldn't even go to worship anymore. They weren't allowed. They weren't welcome anywhere. Verse 13, it said that they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, have mercy on us. And I want you to know they got this right. They didn't say, hey, it's not fair. That's what a lot of people do today. I know sometimes life doesn't seem fair. But you don't, you don't approach the Lord that way. We call out to Him for mercy. Have mercy on us. And Jesus showed them mercy. He just says to them, He says, Go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. And I don't know how this was. I mean, Jesus didn't, you know, in this instance, He didn't pray for them. He didn't lay His hands on them. He just says, Go show yourselves to the priest. And in faith, somehow these guys had enough faith to just do what Jesus said. It's amazing to me, a lot of the time, people don't have enough faith to just do what Jesus says in the Word. But as they went, they were cleansed. I mean, as they obeyed God in faith, the miracle happened. Verse 15, one of them, when he saw he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice. Praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself 
at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not ten cleansed? Where are the other nines? No one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner. Then he said to him, rise up, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. One out of ten returned to glorify God and give thanks. This guy came back. We don't know what happened to the other nine. It appears that they just went on to live their lives. And I can tell you as a pastor that I've seen so many people, so many families where God did a work in their life, helped them put it back together, and then you don't see them anymore. And I think Jesus still asks, where are the other nine? This one, he came back to give thanks. He expressed his gratitude. And we need to tell God how much he means to us, how much we need him, how thankful we are. He praised him with a loud voice and he threw himself at Jesus' feet. Is that an appropriate response considering what this man had received from the Lord? I mean, is it appropriate after his life had, was just destroyed and all of a sudden he's got his life back? Now he can get a job again? Now he can go see his family and be with his wife and kids? Now he can go to worship again? Is it an appropriate response for him to throw himself at the feet of Jesus and give thanks? Yes. Yes. Now let's make it modern times. Let's just suppose somebody gets healed of a terminal disease or maybe they get delivered from a drug addiction that has destroyed their life and they get their life back, they get their family back, they get a good job. Is it appropriate for that person to throw themselves at the feet of Jesus and give thanks? Yes. Yes, it is. Oh, He's so worthy. We absolutely should give Him our thanks. But listen, now let's just say that 20 years goes by and that same drug addict who Jesus has restored his life. Now, 20 years later, he's become a successful businessman. He saw his kids grow up. He coached his son's ball team. He walked his daughter down the aisle. For 20 years, he's experienced the goodness of the Lord. Now, does, is it, would it be right for him to throw himself at the feet of Jesus still and thank him? I'm telling you, you see, some of us, God did, started something in our life a long, long time ago, and you're looking back, realize that every day you are living in the blessings of God. Blessings after blessings after blessing. How is it that somehow so many people get to the place where they're just not really thankful anymore? And they take for granted the daily benefits and blessings of God. You see, maybe some, like my wife, never lived a life of sin, grew up in church and served the Lord. And Do you know that person has even more to be grateful for? 
as they never went through all that junk. What a blessing. You see, we all have so much to be thankful for and to praise the Lord for. I'll never forget the words of a young man that was in my youth group 35 years ago. This young man uh, was good-looking. He was talented. He was smart. He had everything in the world going for him. His dad was a church board member and an adult Sunday school teacher. And one day this kid says to me, he says, what has God ever done for me? I haven't ever heard it verbalized like that again, thankfully. But I've seen that attitude. And sometimes it comes out as, you know, what has God done for me lately? I'm just telling you, He deserves our thanksgiving each and every day of our life. He deserves our praise. And we need to verbalize it. We need to tell Him. We need to say it out of our mouths. Back to Psalm 100 and verse 4. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and come in, and into His courts with praise. We enter His presence with praise. Praise means to commend, to applaud, to express approval of or admiration of, to extol with words in song, to magnify and glorify. Every one of the words that is translated as praise has to do with some kind of action, something that you can hear or something that you can see. I mean, we praise Him with our voice. We lift our voice in song. We lift our hands to Him. We, we praise Him by clapping our head. You can even praise Him in the dance, but it, it should be something that is seen and heard. Now, Jesus said at one point about some people, He said, they praise me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Well, I'm not talking about just going through the motions without your heart in it. It has to start in the heart, but it's got to come out of the mouth. Jesus said out of the mouth, or excuse me, out of the heart, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If, if it's really in your heart, you go, I'm just praising Him in my heart, it'll come out of your mouth. It's supposed to come out of your mouth. You know, gratitude that's not expressed is called ingratitude and praise has to come out of your mouth before it truly becomes praise. He wants us to praise Him where it can be heard. Psalm 66, 1 and 2 says, Make a joyful shout to God all the earth. He wants the whole world in on it. Sing out the honor of His name. Make His praise glorious. Make His praise glorious. That ought to be our desire. Not just that the worship team would make the praise glorious. All of us together, worshiping Him, praising Him, that makes His praise glorious. You know, in years gone by, everybody always talks about the good old days, but I want to tell you, sometimes in the good old days, I, was, I lived in the good old days, so I know what I'm talking about. Sometimes in the good old days, the attitude was, well, it don't matter what the music sounds like. You know, that old thing... What key y'all in? Oh, it don't matter, just play. Well, the Bible says in Psalm 33, 3, Sing unto the Lord a new song, 
play skillfully with a loud noise. I think it does matter how it sounds. I think we're supposed to play skillfully. I think, you know, we ought to do our very best that, that we do it with our whole heart. And I appreciate our worship team because I know that they, they give God their best every week. But you know what? This isn't just for the worship leaders. This is for all of us. that We ought to desire to worship God the best that we can. But notice this. He says, sing unto Him a new song. I want to deal with this because I know that there's a lot of negative attitudes that where the enemy is keeping people from praising the Lord and worshiping the Lord the way they used to. Sing unto Him a new song. See, some of us, we just like the old songs. I pastored a church one time that had sung the same 30 hymns for 45 years. There's just those 30 hymns that were holy. The rest of it was wrong. You know what I'm saying? But, but here's the thing. What I've seen over the years is that a lot of the time when people really begin to serve the Lord or God did some great thing in their life, the music, the songs that were dear to them then, they remain so. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing that you've got some songs that always stir that memory and, and you worship God with that. But we just need to realize that God is still doing a new thing. That God is still moving and working. And He so often in the Scripture says, sing a new song. Did you know that the Lord never says, sing an old song? Now I'm not saying you can't sing an old song. I'm just telling you, the Lord says, sing a new song. And so if you've got a negative attitude about new songs, get, get over it. You're going to, you think they're about to sing a new song in heaven that you don't know? Sing a new song, he says. See, we just need to be, be ready. And I'm going to acknowledge there's a lot of junk being sung in the name of worship today. But I just want you to know that we as a church, we're not singing junk. No. I'm just telling you, we're prayerful and careful about the songs that we choose to sing, and there's a lot of great worship songs being written today. And you know what? The Bible says, sing a new song. The last thing I want to say about that verse is it says, make it loud. Make it loud. It's too loud for me. Listen, we're not talking about damage your eardrums loud, but did you know when we get to heaven, it's going to be really loud? There's going to be ten thousands times ten thousands. It's going to be a roar of praise and worship to God. And it, it, there's nothing wrong with making it a little loud in the here and now and being excited about our God. Y'all way too quiet. I'm just telling you, there's, there's a time when we need to lift our voices and make it loud and praise Him. He deserves it. Yes. Glorify and lift Him up. Acknowledge His rightful place in our lives, that He is the great King over all the earth. He's the maker of heaven and earth. He's the power, ever-living God. Listen, God wants a people who will praise Him. And He's worthy of our praise all the time. And when we praise Him, you see, we are entering into His presence. Come before His presence with singing. Enter His gates with thanksgiving. 
and into his courts with praise. I want to go back to Psalm 95. We read it at the beginning of the message, verses 1 and 2. He says, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. How do we come into his presence? With joy, with singing. It's a celebration. Listen, I'm not preaching to the lost I'm not preaching to unbelievers this morning. I'm I'm preaching to those that have been saved, those that have been delivered, those that have been healed. I'm preaching to those who God has uh, restored marriages, people that God has just blessed with an abundance. See, we all have something to be thankful for. We all have something every day that we should be praising Him and giving Him glory in our life. He's so worthy of our praise. Even in the times when we maybe don't feel it, no matter how things are going, we're in a great battle when we're sick, when we're in the pit, you know, just in despair, we still serve a God who's worthy of our praise and our thanksgiving. Psalm 150, I want to close with this psalm. It says, praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty firmament. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the lute and harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Praise Him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise Him with loud cymbals. Praise Him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Listen, we're supposed to praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. I want you to stand to your feet with me. I'd like for prayer partners to come.